The year was 2000. I was working at my alma mater and a song was released, 20 years, believe it or not. A song was released that became uh, one of the most popular Christmas songs that year. Uh, the song was called Christmas Shoes. How many of you remember the song? All right. now, I'm not looking to start controversy, especially five days before Christmas. I'm not looking to be provocative. I'm not looking to court any tension with you at, at all. My take on the song was that it was too sad. Uh, it was overwhelmingly sad. Here's a description from Wikipedia if you ha haven't heard the song. Uh, the song recounts the events experienced by a narrator completing the last of his gift uh, shopping on Christmas Eve. He is waiting in the checkout line behind a young boy who wants to buy a pair of shoes for his terminally ill mother. She will die soon, and he wants her to appear beautiful when she meets Jesus. He is short on money, and the narrator ends up paying for the shoes, which reminds him of the true meaning of Christmas. And at this point, you can cue in the kids' choir, the antheming, the tears. The, it's all very, very sad, right? And to be honest, when I first heard the song, that was my overwhelming reaction. Now, you have to understand... Uh, four years after the song comes out, there will be a movie that comes out called The Notebook. Uh, how many of you have seen The Notebook? All right. In case you're 16 years too late, it is also kind of overwhelmingly sad, specifically the ending of that movie. No spoiler alerts in case you haven't seen it um, for whatever reason. Um, you can probably get it on some streaming service. But uh, when I saw I was in the movie theater when I saw it, and when it comes to the end of the movie and the overwhelming sadness, I had an audible reaction in the movie theater theater. All right, so I'm sitting there watching the last few minutes play out, and here's, here's what happens with, with me. I go, no, 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 no. It's too much. It is too sad, and that's just kind of my reaction to things, and when Christmas shoes came out, like I said, it was very, very sad, and I was sharing an office with another admissions counselor. We were, like I said, working at my alma mater, and sometimes I'd go out to take someone on a tour of the school, or I'd go out to make some copies or something like that, and I would come back and the other admissions counselor was sitting at her desk quietly crying. And I would walk into the office and I'd say, you were listening to Christmas shoes, weren't you? She'd say, yes, yes I was. And it was just very easy, it's too sad, right? And here's the thing about Christmas, when you stare at the baby in the manger, I think that there would be a little bit of a temptation for sadness to come because we know. We know that the baby is gonna grow up to be an adult and that adult is gonna experience rejection and hardship and persecution and later across, Merry Christmas. And you would think that looking at the baby, there would be some sadness, but the sadness is at a minimum muted. At a maximum, there's actually a lot of joy in the story. As a matter of fact, the Christmas story is a story of joy. So how is that possible knowing what we know, that there's still joy and happiness in the story of Christmas? And, and here's what I think it is. I think it's that we know the full story. We know the full story. And by that, here's what I mean. I mean, we know what this baby is going to accomplish what, we got our lights back. All right. We know <laughs> those streaming. I just became very happier. All right. So we know what this baby, what his life and later his death is going to accomplish. Here's how, it, there's several things. Here's how Ephesians 2 says it. He says, he himself, Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, this is why he came, the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we, have, we both have access to the Father uh, by one spirit. That's Ephesians 2. So his life and later his death, one of the things that he accomplished was that he brings about, and Jesus properly understood, brings about an end to racism. Now, a lot of people don't properly understand him, so, so it hasn't happened, but Jesus properly understood brings an end to racism. That when, when Paul wrote these words, there was a ton of tension between two groups, between Jews and Gentiles. There was a, a, a lot of spiritual tension, racial tension, a whole lot of tension. And I love some of the imagery that Paul, Paul uh, pulls out here. He says, he brought a new humanity out of the two. So he had these two groups that were kind of at odds. He brought a new humanity out of the two. He put to death, listen to these words. He put to death their hostility toward one another. And he brought peace through the cross. He brought reconciliation. Listen, babies tend to melt uh, hostility away anyway. You walk into a room, people are having an argument. You walk in with a baby, the argument ends. And all of a sudden, everybody's ooing and eyeing over the baby. And while that's true, this baby is different. Because he came and he lived and he died. And one of the things he came to end was the dividing wall of hostility that we have toward one another. He came to bring about an end to racism. So in the first century context, Jesus came. One of the reasons he came was so that Gentiles would look at Jews and say, that baby lying in a manger is for them. That baby will grow up to become an adult and he will die on a cross for them. One of the reasons Jesus came was so that Jews would look at Gentiles, not just Gentiles look at Jews. Jews would look at Gentiles and say, that baby lying in a manger, that baby came for them. And that baby grew up to be a man, and he went to the cross for them. And it continues on to this day. that The goal is that we would leave this place, and every single person that we would see, regardless of race or ethnicity, every single person that we would see uh, moving forward from today, we would see them and say, that baby came for them. That guy that just cut me off in traffic, that baby came for them. That person that had 30 items in the 10-item checkout line, that baby came for them. That baby, that, that, that person that ran over my foot with the shopping cart, that baby came for them, and that baby grew to be a man, and that man died for them. And so they have value. Every single person you're going to see today, that person has value, and that person deserves respect for a lot of reasons, but this is the top of the list. And listen, the racial issues in our country are really different than in the first century, but there is a dividing wall of hostility between us. And you know what we need this year? I think 2020 has demonstrated that there is a dividing wall of hostility in this country. You know what we need? We need Christmas. We need resurrection. We need Easter. And we need to remember that Jesus, every single person you're gonna lay, lay eyes on today and in the weeks to come, every single person, that baby's for them. That baby died for them. Uh, grew to be a man and died for them. That baby loves them. Let me show you another thing Jesus came to do. Another thing he accomplished with his life and with his death that brings joy into the Christmas story when it could be kind of a downer story if you think about it, but because we know what he accomplished, there's joy. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So one of the things the baby came to do and grew to, grew to be a man, and one of the things he accomplished through his death was he came to reconcile us to God. And it's interesting because the Santa story that we celebrate this time of year um, in conjunction, uh, that, that our culture really celebrates in conjunction with, with the Christmas story, the Santa story is all about the good. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you, but you know the words. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so, right, you know it. And embedded in this idea that, that children everywhere know the line to that, to that music, embedded in it is that if you've been a good boy or a good girl, Santa will bring you presents. But you notice the passage we read is a little bit different than that story. The gospel of Christmas and Good Friday and Easter, did you notice it? It's for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sin, he died for us. He came for the ungodly. He came for the unrighteous. He came for the screw-ups. Christ came and died for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And we could have the relationship with God that we were created to have in this life and the next. This is why this baby came. This is why he grew to a man. This is why he went to the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. And I think the pandemic has done a few positive things, uh, not very many, but a few, right? One of the positive things this pandemic has done is I think it's all rooted us in what's really important. And one of the things that I think we've all kind of learned is how important relationship to God is, connecting to, connection to spirituality, connection to Jesus, our love for God and our love for others is really important. And so this baby lying in the manger that we celebrate this time of year, he is a gift to you. And he is a gift to me because through him, we are able to be reconciled to God. And every single one of us in this room, we're created to have this relationship. And Jesus, uh, through his birth, his death, and his burial, and his resurrection, absolutely makes it possible. So here's another one. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. These are words of Jesus. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Another reason Jesus came when we understand what he came to do, it infuses joy into the Christmas story is he came to show his love for us. I sometimes wonder if this is part of the reason that Jesus came as, as a baby, there's something about babies that just exude and symbolize love. And this baby is absolutely a sign and a symbol of God's love for us. And Jesus reminds us in this text, there actually is greater, there is no greater love than this. There is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you think about the sacrifice of leaving the perfection of heaven and coming to the imperfection of earth 
the sacrifice of that. You think about the sacrifice of growing to be a man and going to the cross to pay for the physical, emotional, and spiritual price of sins that he did not commit. I think a lot of people wonder about Jesus' love for them, and a lot, sometimes it can be wrapped up in our own behavior, sin, and shortcomings. That how could he love me? I think sometimes it's rooted in a little bit of a self-esteem issue that we don't love ourselves the way that we should love ourselves. And so we wonder how on earth God could ever love us. But the truth is every time, every single time you look at that baby laying in the manger, every time you look at the cross, that baby who grew to be a man who paid for your sins, every single time you look at it, it is a reminder of how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. He loves you so deeply. And this is a time of year where we are to be reminded of that, that he loves us so deeply, that he left heaven and came to earth. He grew to be a man. He went to the cross to pay for our sins. He loves us deeply. Here's another thing his life and death accomplished, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I think this is an additional reason that Jesus came as a baby. A baby just symbolizes life. Jesus came to bring us to life. He came to teach us the best way to live. He came to show us the best way to live. He came to give us his Holy Spirit to empower us toward life, the, the, the way God intended life to be lived. Jesus was perfectly God and he was perfectly human. And so he teaches us through his life teachings and example. He teaches us the best way to operate and live as human beings. And almost every temptation you and I face uh, is a temptation about life. Do I believe that life is found in the words, example, uh, and, and teachings of Jesus? Or do I believe, or do I want to go my own way and try to find life my own way? And part of overcoming temptation is an absolute certainty that Jesus is leading you to life. That, that's part of overcoming temptation is saying, man, I believe with absolute certainty that Jesus is leading me to life, and so I'm going to follow him. And we know what his life and his death accomplished. And so looking back on the Christmas story, you could say, oh man, he's gonna grow up, he's gonna be rejected, despised, go to the cross, and there could be a little bit of sorrow over Christmas, except for this, we know what he accomplished through his life and through his death, and so there can be joy. We also know this. We also know about his resurrection. So Jesus did come, he did grow to be an adult, he did go to the cross. He did die, but the, death, but the grave could not contain him. Death could not hold him. And we know the rest of the story that he rose from the dead. And this has been to infuse joy into Christmas. If ever there was a year to celebrate Christmas and Easter on the same Sunday, it is 2020. I'm thinking about putting Easter eggs in my kids' stockings this year, right? That this is just a year to celebrate both. I mean, in a year that 2020, like I feel weird saying it from the stage because it feels like it's become a swear word, right? It's like, oh, watch your 2020 mouth, you know, that sort of thing. It just feels like it's, a, it's, it's become a swear word. It's just been such a tough year. And it, this is a year that we want to celebrate Christmas and Easter together. Here's how Paul said it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and here's the verse I love, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but 
also in the age to come. Amazing verses that Paul kind of hits on here. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you through the Holy Spirit. And this is true of us someday, that someday when God calls us into our eternity, when the day comes that, that we pass away, here's what it means. You can have absolute confidence that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead will raise you from the dead. You can have absolute confidence in that. But this is not just a someday truth. This is a truth for you and I today. It means that in the difficult years, years like 2020, here's what it means. We can persevere and we can be faithful and we can have joy, hope, and peace in the midst of sorrow and we can live the life God has called us to live because the spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you and he's in me. And so he's helping us to be faithful. He's helping us to stay strong. He's helping us to find joy, hope, and peace in the midst of sorrow. It means that because of the Spirit's work in you and work in me, you are stronger than you ever realized you were. Because the power that rose Jesus from the dead is in you and at work in you and empowering you. And it, it is meant to infuse joy into Christmas. Because yes, we know Jesus went to the cross, but we also know he rose from the dead, and so we know what his life and his death and his resurrection accomplished. We also know, because we get to read the Bible backward, we also know someday about his return. His return is also meant to infuse joy into Christmas. Yeah, we see the baby, and we know he's gonna go to the cross, but we we know what he accomplished, we know that he's gonna resurrect, and we know that someday he is going to return. And when he returns, the Bible says, he is not returning as a cute little baby. When he returns, he's gonna return as a warrior. Let me read to you what John says. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The one who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And they said, write this down to John, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit these things and I will be their God and they will be my children. We talked last week about how right now we are in the age of grace. Right now the time in between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, his return, that right now we're in the age of grace. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's everyone. Anyone who wants a relationship with God, anyone who wants their sins forgiven, anyone who wants to make him their Lord, we're in the age of grace right now. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're also in this in-between time where Jesus has come the first time as the baby. He brought his kingdom in but we're living in this weird time where we still live in an imperfect environment. So right now, if you kind of look at this text, right now we're living in this time of the, of the old order of things. Now listen, we have received the Holy Spirit, right? So the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you today, right now. So we've received the Holy Spirit. God is with us. He's with us every step of the way. We have each other, but the old order of things is still in play. 
and 2020 is the year where we realize this. COVID, that's the old order of things. Cancer, it is the old order of things. Hardship and funerals, it is the old order of things. But we have this hope and this faith that someday Jesus is gonna return, not as a baby, but as a warrior, and he is gonna destroy death once and for all. It's already been defeated because of the resurrection, but when Jesus returns, it will be destroyed, and he will usher in a new order of things. He will usher in an eternal life without death or disease or difficulty. This is good news. It infuses joy into Christmas because we know that while we are in and in, in between, we look forward to the day of his return. So I wanted to preach a, a sermon that told the whole story, the birth, the life, the death of Jesus, the resurrection, someday with the return and understanding Christmas past and looking forward to Christmas future. I just wanted to ask the question, how do we live today? How do we live in Christmas present? When we understand the full story of scripture, that he came, he lived a perfect life, he went to the cross, he didn't stay dead, he resurrected, he's at the right hand of God, and someday he's gonna return. When you understand the full story, what are we called to in Christmas present? And I wanna say just a couple things to you, and then we'll, then we'll wrap it up. Celebrate the story. Celebrate the story. That this Christmas for many people, maybe it's just because of me and my family and what we're going through, but there's kind of a cloud over Christmas. Would you agree? That I have sensed that with a lot of people that I'm talking to, there is a sadness in the air. For many, there's an economic cloud, and finances are tough and it's tight. For some, there's a familial cloud where traditions are being canceled or changed, and, and, and that's hard. And listen, I think it is very insensitive, just kind of my take on things, to say to people, well, celebrate anyway, right? Just be happy anyway, because I think it's better to identify and name our disappointments. So I would not say to you, celebrate anyway. Here's what I would say to you. Celebrate what you can. Celebrate what you can this week. That this baby came. He became a man. And your sins are forgiven in him. That is worth celebrating. His spirit is at work in you, empowering you, and leading you, and helping you. That is worth celebrating. We have this future, in the, this hope in the future that someday he's going to return and he's going to make all things new. That is worth celebrating. Christmas is different this year. It just is. There are traditions not happening, but listen, there are some things that are still worth celebrating. Right? I, I would never tell you to celebrate the bad. That would be a ridiculous thing to say. Just celebrate anyway. Celebrate the bad. I'm asking you to celebrate the one who is good. I'm asking you to celebrate the one whose story is good, the, the story that we are in the middle of right now. So I would ask you to celebrate the story. I would encourage you to embrace life right now, to embrace life that Jesus came to lead you to life right now. It is why he lived. Do you ever wonder about this? He probably could have addressed probably the issue of sin in some other way. Maybe he could have turned a switch or whatever in heaven. I don't know, but he decided to live. He decided to become a man. He decided to become that baby. He decided to live. Why? In part to show us how to live. And he has you here right now, alive on this planet for a reason. He has a plan for you. He does. He has a plan for you. He has a mission for you. He has a desire for your life. He knows the best way to live. He absolutely has you here for a reason. So it's been a tough year, but don't give up on life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And I, I think 
I think part of the storyline of 2020 is realizing that some things that we thought life was in are not things that life was in. That we're kind of learning what life is really all about and the, the Jesus way and the God way. That we're kind of redefining what life is about right now. I think that's one of the storylines of 2020. I think one of the storylines of 2021 is going to be after kind of having everything shut down and life having been so slow for so long. Part of the storyline of 2021 is going to be getting the gears up to living life again, right? What, what, what's that going to look like as 2021 progresses? I don't know, but here's what I know. Don't give up on living. God has you here for a reason. Don't give up on contributing. Don't give up on making a difference. Don't give up on life. I don't care what your age is or what stage of life you're in. Jesus came to lead you to life. He has a plan and a purpose and goals and desires for you. Live the life that he has laid out in front of you. So embrace life right now. And the last thing I would say is look forward to the day that when the perfection comes when he returns. So that when you struggle, and there are times in this in-between time, between the first and second coming, there are times when we will struggle. When you struggle and you experience loss or pain or heartache, you can stand in confidence and say, this is not all there is. This is not all there is. That there is life coming in the new order that is free of hardship and pain and difficulty. And until then, I stay faithful. Until then, I, lay the, I run the race marked out for me. Until then, I live life to the best of my ability. But I have a future hope. That this is not all there is. You know, COVID is not all there is. Cancer is not all there is. Difficulty is not all there is. I have a future hope that someday everything will be made new and everything will be made right and Jesus will be fully on the throne, visible for all to see. So I would encourage you to do those three things this week is celebrate the story. There are things worth celebrating. Embrace life and look forward to your future hope and all of those things. At times they feel like they're at tension with one another just a little bit. At times, it's like, man, I don't feel like celebrating. Celebrate what you can. Look for the Jesus, the Jesus things that you can celebrate. Find ways to celebrate and be creative about it. And embrace life now. It is certainly difficult to do that when you're uh, at home more and you're seeing people less. But I promise you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, even in this season. We just have to seek and search it out. And then never, ever, ever lose your hope. Christmas reminds us that God has been working an eternal plan since the beginning of time and he is in control and he has that plan and he will see it through to fruition. We just have to stay faithful. So Merry Christmas. It is different, right? It's different. But Merry Christmas. That baby came and he grew to be a man and he died for your sins so that you could be forgiven. He came to give you joy, hope, and peace. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Merry Christmas. There are things worth celebrating. And so let's celebrate and let's celebrate well. Let's embrace life. Let's keep our hope. Let's keep our optimism. Let's keep our joy that is found in Christ Jesus. We want to remember his sacrifice right now. We're going to receive communion together. It's under your chair. And what I want to do is I want to pray. And then I just want to leave a little bit of time for you to thank God for, for the gift of his son, Jesus. You can celebrate, you can reflect, you can remember everything that we've been talking about, the whole story. Aren't you glad we live in an era where we know the whole story? Right? For, for a lot of human history, they've just been kind of waiting for it to unfold. We get the full story. 
And that is indeed a blessing. And so remember the full story um, and remember everything that Jesus has done. And then after a little bit of time, I'll lead us out of that prayer and then we'll receive communion together, right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we thank you for the full story. Um, We thank you for the gift of his birth, the gift of his life, the gift of his death, the gift of his resurrection, and someday the gift of his return. And until then, we are gonna be a people that celebrate, we are gonna be a people of worship, we are gonna be a people that serve, and we are gonna be a people that never, ever, ever lose our hope because our hope is in you. And so right now, Lord, we just wanna celebrate everything you are and everything you came to do, especially during this season. These prayers and requests right now from your people, we're lifting up to you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Let's receive communion as a church family. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection, your Holy Spirit, your return someday. Our hope is in you. We celebrate you. I pray that every person watching this, every person within the sound of my voice, that you will just infuse a joy, hope, and peace into their Christmas. And that our eyes will be squarely on you. And we will remember everything that you came to do and everything you accomplished and what you're going to someday accomplish. We'll remember all of that. And our faith, joy, hope, and peace will be in you this Christmas season. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, in all sincerity, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, I know uh, Scott said it in first service, and uh, I'll I'll say it as well. We are really going to miss live Christmas Eve service. Um, I... It's one of my, my favorites a year. We put our kids into jammies and bring, bring them here and um, have a good time with all of you. So we, we are going to miss doing that live. Um, like, I, like I had said earlier, we recorded it yesterday and are looking forward to you seeing the service kind of at your leisure uh, on Christmas Eve. So we'll open up Christmas Eve for all of us a little bit. There are, there are some good things, but I hope it's an encouragement to you, a little bit of a challenge in it as well uh, to, to just remember uh, the majesty, glory, and grace of our, of our Lord. And then also want to encourage you on the 27th to, again, uh, watch online. Uh, just going to have a conversation, uh, Scott and I will, um, about 2020 and what we've learned. Um, you know, when we originally planned to do this, we thought there'd be a little more closure at this point. Um, you know, we decided it a while back, but um, we've still learned a lot of things and just want to have a dialogue about it. And hopefully that's a blessing to you as well. And then we'll see January 3rd ready to go into Abraham, uh, ready to spend about three months with him, uh, learning from his life and legacy. So Merry Christmas in all sincerity. I hope it's a great week for you, and I pray that your eyes stay focused on Jesus and we celebrate what we can celebrate. So have a great week, and uh, I'll see you soon.